I do have, you know, a handful of patients that, you know, everything's checking out great on paper and, but they're still not getting pregnant. And so then you do have to kind of start thinking outside the box, you know, and I don't think there's many women truly that don't have some sort of pelvic trauma. Um, you know, especially noting the statistics of how many women are sexually abused um, in this country. And even if that isn't the case, that to that degree, you know, there's many ways that women experience pelvic trauma and, um, and there's ancestral trauma, which yes. I 100% believe exists. And I feel I've experienced myself in my own space. This is something that I, you know, love to explore when somebody is open to it and, you know, love that you're offering that kind of work that can go on the energetic plane. Welcome to Divine Alignment. I'm your host, Jasmine. I'm a holistic nutritionist, energy healer, and hypnotherapist. I help you awaken your inner healer through holistic health and nutrition, along with expanding your consciousness. Through raising the vibration of your health and thoughts, I want you to have divine alignment in your mind, body, and soul. Let's go to the show. Hello, friends. I I am here with Elizabeth, my friend who is a naturopathic doctor here in Portland. Do you just want to introduce yourself, Elizabeth? Sure. Yeah, so my name is um, Dr. Elizabeth Wade. I'm a naturopathic doctor here in Portland, Oregon, and I specialize in women's health, reproductive health, and fertility. I'm so excited. And for Elizabeth's audience, we're doing a live on both my audience and Elizabeth's, and we're also recording a podcast. So this is like... We're doing it all right now and I'm so excited. So we're going to be talking all about fertility for the nutrition and physical components, but also the mindset and spiritual components as well. So for Elizabeth's audience, I'm Jasmine. I'm a holistic nutritionist and hypnotherapist here in Portland, and we are so excited to be doing this today. So I kind of just wanted to dive right in and have Elizabeth start to talk about what women need to do and men for fertility. It's somewhat complicated and also not. I think, you know, we're experiencing a lot of infertility now these days. You probably know many people. I know I certainly do personally. And in my practice, I see women every day who are struggling with infertility. And I think a a big reason, one is just straight up that women are having kids later. And so, you know, age certainly does affect fertility. I used to kind of resist that uh, fact uh, when I was in medical school, but there's too much data in support um, of it. So that is a big factor, women waiting later, but also our environment is super toxic, which I know you'll be able to go into a lot with the food supply um, and just environmental toxins and xenoestrogens and things everywhere, chemicals everywhere that disrupt hormones. And then, you know, there's a lot of just like autoimmune diseases on the rise in a big way. So mm-hmm. Hashimoto's um, thyroiditis, which is the most common hypothyroid condition in women, it affects, a, you know, I think it's like one in every five or three women, you know, that can really affect ovulation and fertility, um, PCOS, endometriosis, you know, these really common uh, menstrual cycle dysregulations that 
are commonly when women start experiencing them when they're younger, they're just put on the pill right away and it's not treated or addressed. And so the pill kind of, or any kind of a hormonal birth control will mask um, what's actually happening on a deeper level in the body. And then when women try to get pregnant later on in life, the problem's still there and they go off birth control and aren't really kind of expecting it to be there still um, or, you know, really realizing that their period might not come back right away after going off the pill. So I think it's a really multifaceted thing with infertility. There's many different reasons why gut health is another huge one. So that's huge with food. You know, I'd love for you to talk about glyphosate and how that affects the gut and in non-organic food, you know, there's chemicals that disrupt the gut and our hormones are, a lot of them are made in the gut. So that can be a huge factor. So yeah, for both men and women, you know, these things affect them equally and we need to really be looking at both parties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. There's just so many nuggets that you said in there that I want to unpack. And I think that it really, as Elizabeth was saying, it's so multifactorial. And one of the things that I also think about from a nutrition aspect is our environment. And we were talking earlier that, you know, it's this really sad epidemic that we have happening right now that so many women and men are being exposed to way more toxins than we used to. We, I think there was like some statistic that we're exposed to more toxins every single day than our ancestors were in their entire lifetimes. And so when we see infertility happening, it's really this way of, honestly, the species trying to protect itself. It doesn't want to reproduce into a toxic and harmful environment. And so infertility is actually sometimes a way of the body protecting itself, protecting the species. We don't want to reproduce something that's not strong and healthy. And so, you know, if you're being, like you said, to exposed to glyphosate, that's huge. Glyphosate is something, it's basically the chemical in Roundup that they spray on our crops. And when we're exposed, we're ingesting, we're eating this poison, it's becoming part of our cells. And, you know, from a gluten aspect, you know, everyone talks about that gluten is so bad. And it's not necessarily gluten that's so bad. It's that gluten is sprayed with glyphosate. And so when you're eating something that's attached to a toxin, your body's going to mount a response to this and see it as poison danger, like it needs to attack it. And so, you know, a lot of people don't think that what they're eating is impacting their fertility, but it's really a huge part of the puzzle. And we need to be looking at what what we want our baby to become because the baby is being formed out of the mom's cells and what the mom has, the resources that the mom has. So there was something that you brought up and I really want you to unpack this a little bit more about men and women because such a huge, huge misconception that it's just the women's faults or it's, and it's really sad because I see so many women who, um, they take the blame and they take the fault that it's their fault that they can't get pregnant. And it, it takes two, it takes two people to get pregnant. And it's actually just as big of a problem for men in fertility as it is for women. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, this is something that I'm really trying to 
change. I know in my own personal practice, I ask all of the women that come to see me for infertility or preconception planning to bring their partners in if they're male or female. But, you know, definitely to have both parties there is important. It It's, you can't just, you know, a lot of times women will say, well, we're getting pregnant, but we're miscarrying. So we know it's not my partner, but that's so not true. Um, you know, abnormalities with sperm can cause miscarriage as well. So it's just, it's so simple for men to get a sperm analysis and to see what's going on in their sperm. And they're so lucky because <laughs> it only takes three months to change. You know, if there's motility issues, they're not swimming great or morphology issues where they're the wrong shape or their count is overall low. These are things that can be easily, easily changed with diet and lifestyle changes, just eating a lot of antioxidants, um, eating a really clean, whole foods, healthy diet, removing alcohol, any kind of tobacco or marijuana, um, reducing stress, you know, just really simple things can make enormous impacts on sperm. Mm -hmm. And it, the sperm are created and matured over 90 days. So it's just three months um, for their whole lifespan. So you can have brand new sperm three months later that are so much healthier because of lifestyle changes that you made. So I always tell men, you know, you have three months, like that's all you have to do, like to make your genetic contribution be great. And why wouldn't you do that? Like, why wouldn't you take the time if you knew you wanted to have a child and you were planning on trying to conceive? Why wouldn't you take those three months and, you know, just make that sacrifice? It doesn't even have to be a sacrifice. I mean, you're doing yourself a favor. So I'm just reading a comment. Yeah, I wish I wish you would have known this uh, 10 years ago too, but you have the opportunity to share it with the people in your life now. It's, yeah, it's just, it's hard. You know, we, we have more information now. Um, the science, you know, there's more advancements and we have more studies now that show that this stuff really does affect it. So a, an interesting stat I just learned that I love sharing is that men's like insulin, so their blood sugar regulation at the time of conception can actually um, it contribute to a woman's gestational diabetes. So wow. in pregnancy, so even how you know if you're in a heterosexual couple and relationship, and you know like your partner, male partner's choices, you know, can affect you know whether or not you get diabetes in pregnancy. That's you know it's huge. So. We need to be working with both couple, you know, with, with both parties and every couple, whatever dynamic that looks like. And so usually women come see me and then I ask their partners to come in and I would say about a third of them will come in. But, you know, um, I can say of all the sperm analysis that I've run, I've never seen one come back perfect. There's, wow. a, there's always something um, that needs a little support. So it's just, you know, I think environment is huge. Like you said, I think our environment really doesn't set us up to be really healthy. There's so many toxins that are affecting our body's ability to thrive. And so we really need to give it some extra TLC in those months prior to conceiving. It's it's not even just the food supply, but it's it's our circadian rhythms. It's Wi-Fi. A lot of people don't realize that we're being blasted with this radiation that we weren't being hit with years ago. And it's it's like it, – that's why our body, it has to be like in fight or flight all the time when it's being – it's trying to protect itself from these waves that are all around us and mm -hmm. especially with the rolling out of 5G and these things that 
I don't think a lot of, <laughs> I don't think the government is taking into account the fertility, people's fertility and that it's, like you said, it's really not setting us up for success. And I think that these are definitely not things to fear because fear stress is obviously going to be the number one respecter for infertility. But these are so important to just be aware of and to begin to take into account and just really have like a good look at what's going on in your environment and what you're putting into your body, not based out of fear, but just based out of awareness and love because, you know, and we'll get into this in a little bit because it's, it's not just the physical, but it's also really our emotional well-being that plays a huge part. So before we dive into that though, I really want you, Elizabeth, to talk a little bit more about, you know, so you have a couple or a woman come to you and they say that they want to conceive because I see, I also see really often that, you know, someone will get off the pill and then they'll just say, well, I want to get pregnant now. And it doesn't always work like that. And so, you know, this is, this is, I guess, kind of twofold because um, a lot of women nowadays are put on birth control and birth control is not a fix. It's not a fix for what you're dealing with, with your hormones. It's not a fix for irregular cycles. It's not a fix for any hormone things. It's really just a bandaid. It's going to cover up the symptoms. And when you get off of birth control years down the line, your symptoms might even actually be worse because you've just had this bandaid covering up the symptoms for all of these years. And so then once you get off of it, it's like the symptoms are now able to express themselves. And so, you know, I really, I, I truly believe that women are empowered to make their own decision as far as what they believe is the best form of prevention. But there are a lot of alternatives and um, a lot of different things that we can use, a lot of different methods. And I think it's really important to start thinking about these more than just a month or so before you want to start having a baby. So when you do have a couple come to you or a woman come to you, I would love to know, like, what are the things that you say to them to start doing, um, whether it's in regards to birth control or their supplements or what, where, where does the protocol start for you? The number one thing is always, you know, depending on their timeline, if they want to get pregnant sometime in the next two years, definitely going off hormonal birth control. Um, there was, there's been studies done that show an average it takes nine cycles for a woman cycle to come back fully and regulate after being on hormonal birth control. So that's not nine months, that's nine cycles. And some yeah. women won't get their cycle back for five or six months, or they'll have one and then miss, you know, two months and then one come back. So it's, it can be, you know, about a year and a half before your cycle even comes back. And of course, that's not the case for everyone. You know, someone out there might be like, well, I got mine back right away. And that does happen too, but that's not the norm. It's more common for it to take a while. Um, and, and if you had, so, you know, menarche is when women start menstruating. So whatever that age is, you know, 12, 15, that's considered menarche. And the recommendation it's, it takes two years once a woman hits menarche for their cycles to regulate. So yeah. most women are put on some type of hormonal contraception before that two years is over. So their cycle may not have even been irregular, but they were put on it because of, you know, especially mm -hmm. at that age, usually um, cycle, some sort of cycle dysregulation, you know, or they're having too much pain or, you know, symptoms of PCOS, whatever. And um, 
So if there is an issue there, though, when the when a woman was put on hormonal birth control, the issue isn't just going to, you know, most times going to resolve on its own. Right. You know, if the person is still living the same as they were or, you know, who knows, um, if the issue is never resolved, once they get off um, birth control, then usually it's still there. So then you need time to fix that. So if you're trying to, you know, get pregnant soon after you go off the pill, you're not really leaving any time for what if my cycle doesn't come back? What if I have something like PCOS and I didn't realize or endometriosis? And those are all contributing factors to infertility. So so that's a big thing. Um, and luckily, there's a really safe and effective way to do natural birth control, which many people have um, – kind of the wrong opinion on. They confuse it with natural family planning or the rhythm method, but um, practicing fertility awareness um, using basal body temperature and cervical mucus Mm -hmm. has been proven to be 99.4% effective at preventing pregnancy. So this is a huge thing that I do in practice with women because most people are not taught that that's an option when they're asking for natural birth control. They're told about the copper IUD as the only option. Um, that isn't hormonal and that's not the only option. There is this other option, but you know, the key is, is being using it every day, practicing every day, being consistent. And so it may not be for everyone, but everyone deserves to know about it. That's something I love teaching women about and they can use that in the interim. So say they want to get pregnant a year and a half, two years down the line, you know, they can get off hormonal birth control and then get to experience what their cycles are like, you know, off hormones and really get their body ready. My top you know, supplements. I always believe it's great to start a prenatal, you know, a year before you want to get pregnant. Um, and fish oil is a big one for me. Magnesium. I don't think we have time to go into like the whys. Um, and then a probiotic for sure. Mm. And vitamin D. Those are like my top five, I would say. But probiotics are huge because our estrogen is one of our main hormones and that affects our cycle. And in our guts, we have what's called an estrobilome, and there's um, this thing called beta-glucuronidase, and it helps. It's a, one of the ways we detoxify estrogen, and it binds estrogen up to be packaged out into our stool. But if you have if you have gut dysregulation, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little technical here. You know, you can have an estrogen imbalance. So paying attention to gut health is huge, mm-hmm. and so much of that is tied into nutrition too. But probiotics can be really good, the right kind, and helping balance the gut flora. I, at least for the podcast, which you guys can all tune in later. And for Elizabeth's audience, the podcast, my podcast is Divine Alignment. So um, I think what would be really great for people is we'll put some of our recommendations in the show notes, uh, just like, because there's so many probiotics, so many different types of fish oil. So I think it would be really great to give people a resource for what we like, what we recommend and the brands that we trust. Um, So I'll put some of those in the show notes. You guys can refer back to that. I'm really loving that we're talking about all of the holistic methods for dealing with fertility because it's, you know, it's, it's really sad and it really hurts me to just see that when we go to just like the traditional, our, our society just isn't telling, teaching us and telling us about all of these alternative methods and isn't really preparing us and setting us up for, um, anyone up for success for having optimal fertility. And, um, you know, something that I really want to dive into as well is the emotional, spiritual, and mindset component, because what a lot of people don't see and realize as well, um, you know, along with these holistic 
methods of supplements and things like that is that we also have to really prepare the body spiritually and clear past traumas and past events that could be leading to infertility. And what a lot of people don't, you know, it's in my practice doing hypnotherapy, I unfortunately see a lot of women who have a past with either rape, sexual abuse, miscarriage, abortion, all of these types of emotional things that happen. And when we have something so traumatic like that happen, and it doesn't even have to be very traumatic, it can be something as small as, you know, I had a woman who, when she was younger, her mom was pregnant with her um, little baby brother or sister. And the mom was complaining about how terrible she felt and how awful birth was. And then this woman grew up subconsciously. This wasn't even on a conscious level. She was, she wanted to have a baby. She was ready. She was so excited to have a child and get pregnant and she could not get pregnant. And we went back and it was because she was told this limiting belief from such a young age. And unfortunately our subconscious mind is what really holds on to these stored memories and stored beliefs. And it's not only just preparing our physical body, but we really have to make space energetically and emotionally for this new baby to come. And, you know, another thing that I see happen, which is really, really sad is, um, when women get an abortion or have a miscarriage is that that area in the womb is energetically full. You know, I'm doing air quotes because it's not physical. There's not something physically there, but that energetic imprint came. And if we don't clear that energy and make space, then there's not room for a new beautiful baby to come down. And so clearing that space and clearing, you know, that old energy so that a baby can come and really flourish and really um, just have the best possible grounds to soak up the nourishment and nutrition from the mom. Because if there is, you know, and even if it wasn't an abortion or a miscarriage, even if it's just this past trauma from a woman who experienced any type of physical or emotional abuse when they were younger, that really impacts our female organs and our bodies, even though we don't think about these things in our mind, our body remembers everything. And, you know, there's this really great book, The Body Keeps Score, and I'm sure you've heard of that. And it's so fascinating because our body really remembers all of these traumas, even though we don't on just a conscious level remember them. So what I like to do is really work with someone like Elizabeth because it's you have to have the physical components in place. That's just like a non-negotiable. But if you're doing the physical things and it's not working and you're still not able to conceive or get pregnant, there's something else going on because I, you know, I see people saying, well, I'm doing everything. I'm eating so healthy. I'm turning my Wi-Fi off. Like, I don't understand why am I not getting pregnant? And that's when I really say, okay, well, like we need to look deeper. We need to look at the emotions and we need to look at what have you been through in your past? Because if we don't address this, we're not setting up, I don't believe the women for, the optimal birth and um, conception and all of these things. So that's just my thoughts on the hypnotherapy and mindset beliefs. And I would love for you to just, if there's anything that you have to add about 
that, you know, emotional component when you work with clients. Yeah. No, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is it's so important. Um, the emotional piece, you know, I I do have, you know, a handful of patients that, you know, everything's checking out great on paper and but they're still not getting pregnant. And so then you do have to kind of start thinking outside the box, you know, and I don't think there's many women truly that don't have some sort of pelvic trauma. Um, you know, especially noting the statistics of how many women are sexually abused um, in this country. And even if that isn't the case, that to that degree, you know, there's many ways that women experience pelvic trauma and um, and there's ancestral trauma, yes. which I 100% believe exists. And I feel I've experienced myself in my own room space. This is something that I, you know, love to explore when somebody is open to it and, you know, love that you're offering that kind of work that can go on the energetic plane because there are some modalities of medicine I use in my practice like homeopathy and lymphatic drainage. It's biotherapeutic drainage that works on a mental, emotional, and physical layer. And so I really, I always use those with every patient because I don't think true healing can happen just on the physical. Like I believe in a hierarchy of health and, you know, mental is the top, emotional, and then physical is actually the lowest on the hierarchy. And I don't think that you can be truly healthy in physical health without addressing mental and emotional Mm. health. So, you know, just knowing how many women have been mistreated, you know, in some way, and a lot of it is, you know, um, in the pelvic area or, you know, they've experienced miscarriage or abortion and, you know, haven't felt safe or, you know, haven't, um, you know, expressed or fully grieved or processed what has happened to them. You know, it doesn't even have to be um, trauma by another person. So, yeah, I think that that is a huge piece and so much good can come out of that. Even if a woman isn't having trouble getting pregnant, you know, just doing that work as just good preconception practice, you know, one of my my dreams, I guess, is that, you know, all people are aware of what an impact they can make on the future health of their child by the choices and the state of health they're in when they conceive. I sometimes think infertility can be a blessing because it can give people a chance to really go deep and, you know, really dig into their health and do all the workup if they're seeing a good doctor and make sure they're in tip-top shape before they conceive. But if, if, if they're not having trouble, a lot of couples don't do that. And Mm -hmm. they just, you know, they just try and that, you know, it's fine, but we have so many studies showing that, you know, the health of the parents at conception affects not just the short-term health of their child or their pregnancy, but the long-term health and cardiovascular health. And, you know, there's so many things that there's really long-term effects, um, you know, so it's such a gift that we can give to ourselves to get healthy and then what a gift to pass it on to future generations. Yeah. So, you know, doing this work on a deep level, you know, is going to affect our grandchildren and that's amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought up the ancestral stuff because this is not – and this is another reason why, like, I just love you and the work that you're doing because I 100% believe that – our health and everything, I believe that it stems at an emotional level. We have to get that taken care of. And when we get that taken care of, the physical things really begin to just fall into place. Like we actually just attract in the healing that we need when we work on the emotional level. 
And ancestrally, I think it's such a crazy and vast topic to dive into and really talk about because it's it can really go pretty far back. And so that's another thing that I like to look at as well when I do hypnotherapy sessions with people is, you know, sometimes someone will say like, I don't remember having any type of physical or emotional trauma. Like what could it possibly be? And I'm like, well, we need to go deeper then. Then we'll see and I'll see with my clients in sessions that, you know, it was their grandma or their whatever. And it can even just be their mom. So you know, this is really fascinating and it's at the top of my mind because it was just a session that I did yesterday on a woman and she was struggling with body image, just how she felt in her body. We went back and her very first scene that she went back to was in her mom's womb and her dad calling her mom fat while she was pregnant. Mm. And here's this beautiful woman, beautiful. And she's struggling so much with her body image and not feeling comfortable in her skin. And what we don't realize as, as while we're pregnant is that this fetus, this baby is energetically picking up all of the things that the mom is not only thinking, but feeling and hearing. Because when a baby's in the womb, it's not able to see. And so all of its senses, it's hearing, it's touch, it's a feeling it all of those are really heightened and so what we say to our baby in the womb it and i know this is going to sound you know it this is definitely woo but it's so true is that our baby hears what we say and i i don't have a child so i'm i don't have experience with this but you know maybe you can speak a little bit more to some of the things and practices that you did with Elizabeth has a beautiful baby little little boy so maybe you can share a little bit more about some of the practices and things that you do for your emotional health with him um whether it's now or while you were pregnant or can see like all of these things I'd love to hear about a little bit about that yeah so I have a two and a half year old little boy I was pregnant when I was in medical school which is kind of crazy oh my gosh I can't imagine (laughs) so I can't say that I was the least stressed but um (laughs) we my partner and I both did the whole 30 um Mm -hmm. diet before we tried to conceive and so that was kind of one of the bigger things we did which most people I think are familiar, but you yeah. remove all sugar, dairy, gluten, grains, everything, nuts, seeds, like it's, I think you can eat nuts, but you can't eat um, any grains and beans. Um, so alcohol, all that stuff. So it was a very clean kind of reset that we did. We stopped drinking um, and we weren't, I was worried about my fertility because I, um, something in my history that happened years before, you know, I have... Compromise. I thought I was going to have compromised fertility. So I we weren't actually trying. So I can't say that, you know, I was infertile. But, um, you know, we were being very proactive because I had done a lot of research. I was super worried and I was older. I was 33 when we started trying. So, you know, and I, I have early menopause in my family. So I had kind of my sister had issues. So I had a lot of things in my background that weren't the most uh, encouraging. And so we did the whole 30 and we um, cut out alcohol and you know all any other kind of potential toxins that I was aware of um, and you know I, I had an advantage I think because being a naturopathic student and being interested in health and wellness you know my diet was al- already really good so for years prior to trying you know we had already been eating a relatively very clean diet and 
um, we had gone through, you know, when I, I didn't know much about environmental toxins before I started naturopathic medical school, but in school I learned. And so we had cleaned up our house, um, you know, in the years prior. And that can be a really big thing that people overlook because if you're using conventional cleaning products and makeup and beauty products, you know, they're full of toxic chemicals that disrupt hormones. You know, we had already done that, but had I not, that would definitely have been something I would have done. And, you know, my pregnancy was not perfect. I have since learned so much um, Mm -hmm. since that time that, you know, should I get pregnant again, I will do things differently. You know, one of the things that I wish I would have done more was talk to my baby more. Mm -hmm. That is something that I felt somewhat strange doing Um, at the time. I think I was also just really busy with school that I was kind of like just always, you know, trying to keep my head above water. But in (laughs) in retrospect, you know, it doesn't take long in the car or something. I wish I could have just gotten more comfortable to dropping in and connecting with him because in my birth, I know that I felt very disconnected from him in my birthing process. I pretty much put it in the hands of my midwife. I had a home birth and I let her, you know, lead the show. In retrospect, you know, there's things about my birth that I wish would have gone differently. And I think if I would have had a deeper connection with my son, I would have been able to tap into that communication in my birth process and let that guide me and trust my body and that relationship over, you know, what somebody else was telling me to do. So thank you so much for sharing because I think that just people being able to hear your story is so healing for others. And, you know, I think it's really important to see that even though we're in this field, we're certainly not perfect. We Mm -hmm. certainly have our own struggles. And I think that it really just is through experience and through our own journeys that we learn. And that's often why we get into the field that we do, because it is our own journeys and struggles that lead us into helping others. I didn't realize that you were – it's – gosh, it's so sad that they consider women old mm-hmm. to be having a child. and Geriatric once you're 35. Wow. <laughs> I think they're trying to change the name to advanced maternal age now, which is much gentler than geriatric. Oh, my goodness. Geriatric is pretty harsh. Wow. <laughs> so. And I'll share – for me, so my mom, she, ha- she was 30, 36 mm-hmm. when she – was pregnant with me or had me. She had me. She was pregnant, got pregnant when she was 35 and had me when she was 36. And I did a hypnotherapy session and I was struggling with such bad anxiety. And I was just so confused because I was eating so healthy, doing all of the things. And I am very against medications and things. And I just could not get a hold of my anxiety. I did a hypnotherapy session and you know it was it was actually like not even anxiety but it was like a culmination of health issues and just all of these things that like I could not figure out and during one of these hypnotherapy sessions I actually went back to my mom's womb and I saw her sitting there and she was so worried and upset and nervous because every single time that she went to the doctor they were telling her you're so high risk you're you're really, you're pushing it to be having a baby and all of these things. And my poor mom, that's all she wanted was to have a baby. That's Mm -hmm. all she wanted. And the entire time that she was pregnant with me, she was so worried about having me because she was worried that something was going to go wrong or that I wasn't going to be okay or that 
she spent so much of her pregnancy worrying. And when I went and did this hypnotherapy session, it, it was, it was so sad for me because as a baby, I could see my mom who was so worried and I was in her stomach. I was in her womb. And like I, like we just talked about earlier, a baby really takes on their mom's feelings. And my mom and I have always been so close my entire life. And, you know, looking back at that now, like I kind of see why. And it's, it's funny because we've always joked that the umbilical cord was never really cut off because my mom and I are just so close. And I, I kind of see now that I took on these emotions from my mom from such a young age, because I thought that I could take them away from her. I didn't want her to worry. I didn't want her to feel any hesitation or feel scared or anything. And so I thought as a little fetus that if I could take my mom's pain away from her, then I would make her better. And so here I am, you know, 26 years later, dealing with all of these mysterious health things, anxiety, all of these things that I just could not figure out. And it went all the way back to the, to my mom's womb, which I mean, I feel like it's kind of crazy. And I don't think that that's, I know it's not something I would ever be able to find out from just going to my GP, general practitioner, doctor. Obviously, like it's very important to start with our physical and health, but it's all of these emotional facets that underlie all of it in that interweave. And so I think that women, especially like, they need to be supported. And that's, you know, I hear you talking about your birth story and my mom talking about my mom's own birth story. And it's, you know, I just think that there's a really big burden placed on women. And so I think that, you know, if you are trying to conceive and you are trying to get pregnant, like making sure that you're ultimately first and foremost, taking care of yourself, Mm -hmm. taking care of your spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, all of these things, getting massages, um, taking time to, you know, be still practicing meditation, whatever it is, whatever that looks like for you, um, is so important, not just for yourself, but for your baby, because you're going to not only be taking so much stress and worry off of yourself, but also off of your baby. And you're going to be giving them just like the ultimate thriving grounds to create their body from. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So thank you for sharing about your, your story a little bit more, because I, while I didn't experience it, I really saw the effects of what worrying while you're pregnant can do. And it's so sad that doctors, you know, make women worry while they're pregnant because that's the last thing that they should be doing. And they should just be supporting them and loving them and telling them that they're, it's going to be a perfect birth. And, you know, that's what, you know, another thing I wanted to dive into. So I will never forget when we um, got together for the first time and you told me that you were listening to this hypnobirthing tape. And I was like, that's amazing because something that I love to do for women who are pregnant is create them. I mean, I think that hypnobirthing, if you want a smooth pregnancy, you need to do hypnobirthing because our mindset is absolutely everything. And when we're in that like crazy, like hormones are 
freaking out. Like everything is, it's pretty chaotic. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your experience with hypnobirthing because I love that you did that. And, and I still have your, 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 um, Im- imitation of the woman <laughs> in my head. It was so cute. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience with that. And, and I want to hear like the good and the bad because it, it was good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. My, my dear friend sent me the night before I went into labor early at three or four days early. And my friend had just sent me, she was pregnant at the same time, a hypnobirthing <laughs> video. And I didn't know when she sent it to me whether or not I was going to use it, but I just happened to go into labor that night. So my water broke at like 11 p.m. on a Wednesday and my water broke first. So I was not having contractions and, you know, it was my first child. I didn't know what to do. So after talking to my midwife, you know, she's like, just try to get some sleep and, you know, you might have a long day ahead of you tomorrow. So get some rest. So we went to sleep and I woke up at three in the morning with contractions and I didn't want to wake up my partner because I wanted him to be rested. I put on my headphones and started listening to the hypnobirthing tape. I mean, I can totally credit that woman (laughs) recording her recording. I think she was Australian because it was like, your baby, you're, you know, with every breath, you're closer to your baby. And it was the most beautiful, soothing voice. Um, And it was just like on repetition, her giving me blessings and mantras to just stay focused and breathe. And I just did this really deep, rhythmic breathing with her, you know, with her saying these really positive affirmations to me for hours. And I stayed like that, you know, until the morning, you know, the next day, my, I want to, I really wanted my mom to be at my birth. So I called, you know, I called her, I was like, you need to get here (laughs) early. (laughs) And so she switched her flight and was coming. And I think I really was just holding on, you know, so I was in labor the whole next day, but not serious. And I, I listened to it. Um, throughout the day, but was mostly with my partner. And then when contractions, my mom arrived and then contractions kicked in right away again, really hard. Um, and I went into full labor and put that tape on again and I had no pain. And so I was fully dilated. They had put me in a tub in my bedroom and checked and they're like, you're 10 centimeters. And I was like, what? Like, you know, cause wow. I was just in a zone. Like I was zoned in, I was listening to this tape and I was just doing the breathing and I felt super calm and at peace and and then they turned it off um because they're like okay you need to start pushing and 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 then everything changed. <laughs> I didn't even put the pieces together until we were talking about how much that you know I always thought it was my breath but I think you know it was a combination I was just super soothed and you know I was in a state of hypnosis I don't think I even realized I was by this woman but I was and you know did not have any pain for you know the entire time until I was fully dilated and and trust me I didn't get out that easy I had like four hours of pushing and extreme pain and you know thought I was gonna die the the whole thing um after that so it wasn't you know super breezy but things really shifted after I stopped using that tape so yeah (laughs) I love that I mean I love that story because it's so it just shows the power of our mind and that just tapping into the breath and getting into the state of hypnosis is such a beautiful way to have the baby because it brings them into the world into a calm state and all of this so such a beautiful story and i think that with that it's a really good way to wrap up and so for everyone on the podcast we will put our show note recommendations i'll put elizabeth's information and 
on the Instagrams. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for everyone on the podcast. And until next time, I think we'll have to do this again. So thank you all so much for tuning in. And we'll talk to you guys all later. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, share it with a friend. It really is together that we grow. Also, please head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful. And lastly, take a screenshot, let me know you're listening, and tag me on Instagram stories at I am Jasmine Elise. And until next time, I'm sending you infinite love and light.